Hello and welcome back to the Red Sector MotoGP podcast, your home for everything MotoGP 2 and 3. We're back again after the Aragon GP. We've had a couple of weeks off. As always, I'm your host, Josh Wilson, and with me is Bunno. Matt's again um, taking a bit of time off due to work, so it's just us two this time. So how are you doing, Bunno? Yeah, I'm good. Very good. Um, looking forward to a triple header because obviously we've got Aragon and then we've got Mategi this week and then we've got Thailand the following week, so... Plenty to get our teeth into and back to Definitely. back back podcasts. So yeah, yeah, we're um, we've actually we're actually hitting the the early hours races now, aren't we? We're actually for a change, um, the ones losing out compared to the rest of the world, which is yeah, it's that time of the year where you get Brits yeah. being like, "This is ridiculous." Yeah, <laughs> no more, no more. I feel so sorry for all the like Oceanian fans and like all yeah. the East Asian fans that are like, "We do this every single." Yeah, like I know is... Matt says, like, "I have to get up so early," and it's like, you know, they they have to basically get everything on a Sunday done in, earlier on in the day in like Australia, mm. and then like cram it all in and have a late Sunday night, and Monday is even worse for them. Like yeah. if you don't watch yeah. it live. It's pain. So, like, yeah, we we can't complain, can we? Because no, we can't. Uh, we, we've we got get good. We get it good most of the time. What is it? Nine a.m. for Japan. Most Seven a.m. Seven a.m. Oh my god, Japan, and I believe Thailand is, I think, five a.m. Four a.m. Four a.m. Really? I think so. Yeah. How come it's? How come it? Um, I'm not. Thailand's closer. So cool. I'll double check that as I as, as speak, but. Um, Japan is definitely 7am and Thailand is, um, oh, sorry, 9am. 9am, yes. Yeah, sorry. Good. But we are, again, we are into the flyaways now. So we've got Japan, um, is it Thailand, Malaysia, Sepang, and then Philip Japan, Island? Thailand, Philip Island, Malaysia, then Valencia. Okay. Um, so they go like, oh, all right, yeah, the top, yeah, then down to Thailand, down to Australia, and then kind of make their way back. <laughs> yeah, to Sepang <laughs> and then to over to Bang and then yeah, and then yeah. Valencia. Which, I mean, me personally, I'm not going to get into a massive topic about it, but me personally, I would just scrap Valencia. I think it's a, I think <laughs> yeah. it's a shit track. I think it's a always kind of deadens off the end of the season because there's never any like proper race at, at Valencia. No, and no. if it was the last last race of the year at Sepang. Can you imagine going down that back straight and knowing that that corner is the last corner of that? That to me would just be like, That'd is he going to go lunging in? Mm. Is he like it would? It would create more of an atmosphere, I think. And I think it's such a good track, Sepang and Phillip Island. So yeah. I mean, for me, either one of those would be better finale. But you know, it is what it is. We've got we're back at well. Obviously, it's nice to be back at the flyways because, in a way, it's, like, it's been great for us as Europeans to have. European rounds being the majority of the calendar with COVID. Um, but obviously now we're back at, you know, Thailand and Mategi. And I mean, Mategi and Thailand aren't my favourite races, Thailand especially. But like, I'm glad to be going to f new tracks because, you know, it's just nicer, isn't it, to go. go yeah, Because I mean, like the double rounds at Red Bull Ring sort of got a bit like, you know, when you were like FP3 on the second weekend, it was like how many more laps can I contend with watching Red Bull mm. Ring? You know what I mean, like, there's nothing against Red Bull Ring, but it's like, it's nice to have a full calendar again. Because I think after a year or so, we were like, I can't wait to get back to a full 21 round championship yeah. and stuff well, like that. So, you know, it's it's good to be back. It is. I mean, again, well, last time it was in Japan, Thailand, Japan, Philip Island was 2019, which 
in terms of MotoGP was it might as well have been a decade ago because it's yeah. changed so much since yeah, then. Yeah, think course. about what changed. I mean, Marcus I mean, has yeah. gone from. You know, Mark, the last time we were in Asia, Marquez was on top of the world. Yeah. And now he's kind of going back to Asia now is like his beginning of the rebuild. Yeah. The fourth attempt or whatever it is to be, you know, hoping to get a good result. And it's, mm. you know, when you, when you think about it, there's some riders like Enea Bastianini who, like, he's not been anywhere near any of those tracks on a moto. Well, I mean, has he even, he wouldn't have even rode them in a moto two bike i don't think oh no he might have done he might have done his first year on like the ital trans bike in mm. thailand and i'm like you know riders like that that are going to those tracks like pedro costa in moto 2 he's never yeah. been never yeah. been to like mateki mm. so it's yeah it's kind of, it, kind of weird when you think of it like that that they're going to tax in that sense you know we are going into the unknown definitely and again it's going to be it's going to be refreshing because of course, we all like Mategi, um, so so on Thailand, but it'd be interesting to see him there. Um, and again, Sepang and Phillip Island are two staples of the calendar, so yeah, I maybe, love maybe Casey Stoner might wildcard at, at you never know, <laughs> get nice. wildcard on like a Yamaha and win, yeah, I imagine. But anyway, yeah, it's um, we'll do some news items first and then we'll get cracking with the um, the racing, so of course. The kind of major bit of news, um, off track bit of news anyway, was uh, Fernandez going to Tech Three, and of course Remy Gardner, Patton Wiz already the yeah. mo- current Motor Motor Two World Champion <laughs> is already gone. We've had one season with him, half really, half really half a season. He was um, out of the ball by halfway through, wasn't he? Yeah, really? and it's just. It's a tragedy, really. Oh, we'll never know the full story, of course, but um, no. yeah, for me, I just think really, uh, is that how it's what it's come to now? You know, a Moto2 world champion is straight out the door, half a season in, they're getting rid of him, um, they're not really giving him a chance or an opportunity. It's it's literally just all right, we're done with you already, um, off to World Superbike you go, and that that's it. And uh, the field of candidates we have in the likes of Moto3 and Moto2. Four MotoGP seats for me means that the chance of Remy Gardner just coming back are, are quite. But it's not impossible, but I, I, I really wouldn't put much money on it. Yeah, no, I but, agree with you. I, I think I look at that and I'm like, what does that do for Remy's career in terms of Grand Prix? Remy would have to go to World Superbikes, have a really strong rookie season to put himself in the name of like. Well, he, you know, he might look to move to a factory team in World Superbikes and then challenge for a title mm. at a younger... I mean, you know, we're talking about that in the space of three years, maybe. And if he's like... I mean, how old's Remy now? He must be 24, 23, something like that. If he's 27, 28, I'm sorry, but <sighs> as tough as this yeah. sounds, unless he's setting the world alight in World Superbikes, I don't see a GP team craving a 28 year old i just no. and, and that's not remy's fault you know he's been poorly treated in gp and not been given the opportunity at the right age that he is now as you said as a moto 2 world champ um but yeah no it's um it's sad but i'm glad for remy's sake that he's not just been left out to dry and like a tetsu to nagashima where he wins a couple of races in moto 2 and is almost not promised at ktm but given this new chance and then had a couple of bad results and then just forgotten about 
lost his ride at Moto2, ironically, to Remy Gardner, and just sort of fizzles away and then picks up yeah. the odd ride in the Japanese championships. And now he's racing at like Honda in the Endurance. And it's like he's had to sort of scrap his way to a test rider role in the, or like an endurance role. To, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, he's um, wildcarding, isn't he, in, in uh, Mategi, which is, which is good. But a Grand Prix winner in Moto2, it's, you know, it's like there's people, and no disrespect to Darren Binder, but he's won what, like one Grand Prix in Moto3 yeah. and be given a year in MotoGP. I look at Tetsuto Nagashima and I'm like, great rider, won two Grand Prix's. And he just fizzles away. And Remy Gardner, Moto2 World Champion, beaten the likes of Augusto Fernandez. And he's just, you know, like, gone. Gone. See you later. It's sad. It's sad. It but is. again, it's it's one of them things. I think every... I, I don't think we can do a podcast and avoid talking about KTM because it's just the KTM way, isn't it? And speaking of KTM way, um, Onchu's obviously announced that he's leaving Tech 3 in Moto3. And Danny Holgado, who has had a very hard beginning of the season with injury, I think he broke his leg in the beginning of the season, um, before the season actually, going into the IO squad, uh, junior world champion, and moves into the IO team. Had some hard results, but I mean, anybody watching Moto3 thoroughly will know that he has got better as the year's gone on. Got his first podium this weekend and looked really, really good. And it's been announced uh, this weekend that he's going to Tech 3. And I'm like, what is it with KTM not letting riders just just let give them time? Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. give them... If, if you put a head mechanic into a team and he didn't do everything perfect in the first year, you wouldn't sack him. You'd say no, he's new he to the job, he needs time with it, it's a new experience, new team, new environment. But because it's the rider... It's like there's no trust there. Do you know what I mean? There's no trust there anymore. It's like, and I don't want to get onto football, but it's like football back, you know, 10, 15 years ago. You get three, four years minimum as a manager, as a like, you know, surely you'll get two or three years or what. Now it's like if you don't do anything within six months, you're just you're just gone. It's it's like going the same way with MotoGP and that riders. I mean, Danny Holgado is what, 17, 18, 19 at most. And because he's not, won five races or six races or whatever and not done a Pedro Acosta, he's just lost his ride and gone to Tech 3. I mean, Tech 3 is a good team in Moto3, but I just, for Danny Hargado's sake, I'm like, just let him have another year. You've given Messia two years in, three years, is it? Two, yeah, two years. He's not really done anything. And he's meant to be the experienced rider in that team and he's a Grand Prix winner and he's not really done much, has he? For Messia for the the stock value that he gets given, and obviously he's announced that he's going back to Leopard. It's like I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of just there's just a, a big stigma around KTM that just gets worse and worse. By it's, the way, it's getting worse, and I think you mentioned it in in um, the last podcast, which which I wasn't a part of. That you know, Honda say have that they have that legacy, they have that kind of. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Heritage. That heritage, yeah. They have that heritage, that legacy, where they can be like, right, we're getting rid of you. You're not good enough because we want someone who can continue our streak or continue our legacy. Whereas what, what KTM won in the in the Premier Class to be able to turn around. And you'll never be able to justify treating riders like utter garbage. But, you know, what have they ever done to, be, to try and justify it? But I look at Honda and I go, you get rid of Paul, 
He's only had two years on, but only two years, yeah. But like, okay, he's had a, he's had a pole position, and I think like one or two podiums. And I'm like, yeah, that's if you're Honda, and you're looking at that's completely fair enough to say you, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. I mean, if Frankie Morbidelli doesn't pull his finger out for next year when they've got that new bike, and they say we've had enough, that's Yamaha. That's fair enough for Yamaha to say we've given you two mm. and a half years, well, two and a bit years. Granted, he's he's been injured for the first year of it or whatever, but. To turn around and say we expect better, but they've not just snapped his arms off and gone no, no, not having that, and not have any real re. That's the worst thing with the KTM. There's never any reasoning for it. There's never any reasoning for it. It's like we want rookies, we want fresh blood in KTM. You know, it needs it needs a, a reshake. Get rid of Petrucci. Get rid of Laquona. Two races in, we need experience. Yeah, like. It's ridiculous. Like, what are you on about? They are. It, it's just whatever the flavour of, of the day is for them. It really yeah, it's is. Which way the wind blows, isn't it? They don't even know what they're doing. I don't know if it's if there's too many, too much influence in that team, and it's all being pulled in different directions. Because I know you have, you have Adjo probably has a lot of influence. Then you of course you have Pit Byra. Um, who else is in that team? Who has? Will have exert. Will be able to exert. Well, that's, that's probably only a question that KTM higher ups can yeah. probably answer. But I don't know. I just for me, I'm like I've said it before, and I'll say it a million times until it gets sorted. Like, if I'm like Sergio Garcia, who's been announced to go to Pons, by the way, if anybody doesn't know, I, I would be doing exactly that. I, I would be looking at Pons, Mark VDS, Aspar, and being like, yeah, them, them for me. I mean, I yo does so much at the junior levels to develop these riders into great talents and then they go to GP and they get spat out. So I feel bad for him. But I just think, what's it worth? Because KTM aren't just going to sign... They'll either offer you a contract where do or die you with KTM for the next three years and then rip it in half halfway through or you, yeah. they, don't, they don't offer you anything. They don't, they don't turn around and say, right, one year. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like you go, oh, go to the IO team in Moto2. I might do brilliantly and... Honda, Yamaha, or whoever might come in for me, because you're thinking, oh, they've not offered me. If you're with them, you're with them for the long run. You kind of got to sign to. It's like Costa, isn't it? He signed for like three years or whatever it was for KTM. It's if I'm him, I'm like, let's hope Honda come in and buy that out. Well, it's like Ralph Fernandez when Yamaha were like, right, well, we've met, yeah. we've met the agreement, the clause. Let's go, and then KTM were like, no, you aren't. We're announcing him as. We're going yeah. to block that. We're announcing him as part of our Tech Three lineup for next year, and then, the, and then by the end of it, they're like, "Yeah, whatever, leave." It's almost like they were just spiting and making sure that Yamaha couldn't have him for a season. It's like KTM concentrate more on the riders' issue that brings in, like what they bring to KTM in terms of the issue or whatever. Even though it's not an issue, it's more the fact that they're going bike shit, sort it out, or other teams getting ahead of them. It's like they've got more attention in those parts than they yeah, have but... like their actual bike. Like so yeah. they need to sort out themselves. Like it's like that that phrase, isn't it? Where it's like people in glass houses don't shouldn't yeah, throw stones, stones whatever yeah. whatever it is. Like that is KEM. Like, well it stop, is stop stop fucking about with everything else. Concentrate on your issues. Like all all the things we've bothered about is other teams not having their like riders, good riders. They just want to. They just want. They just want all the the best riders that can under the KTM umbrella. Just simply so the likes of Honda, Yamaha, Ducati don't 
don't get them for as long as possible. Yeah, well, I mean, Honda yeah. have been known for that. I'd love to, um, I'd love to speak to Julian Ryder about it because I know he's done a few things in the past about Honda, and it, it's kind of very underlying. I've mentioned it before on a podcast a while mm. ago how it's kind of like this underlying thing that nobody really knows about, but Honda at a junior level, like if they want somebody and he's tied to Yamaha or Suzuki yeah. or whoever in, in the Japanese world, they have like an authority Honda do. And this is not like mm. a thing of me, me and Honda. It's genuinely true. And I'd like Julian Ryder to be here now for him to just unravel it all. That if they want him, they can have him. Like they, they just, him. they, they can yeah, just yeah. have him. And it's, it's very dirty and it's very sort of like, you know, under the under the radar. But it's like KTM almost look at that, I think, and go, yeah, yeah, we, we can do that. And it's like, mm. yeah, but like, what, what what's that living up to? Because yeah. I mean, and... like, you're just making your reputa like, reputation worse and your bike's not getting any better. Yeah, and, like... and you're, you're doing it messy. You know, yeah. Honda at least have, have some kind of grace and decorum, if you could call it that, to, well. to do it under the, behind the scenes and to not air the dirty laundry in public, whereas KTM... I mean, coming out and saying that Remy Gardner's not, like, professional enough and stuff like that, it's like, what are you playing about uh, with all those sorts of politics? And then turning around and going... Oh no, but we we you know we want to keep ties with Remy and you know basically saying like if we can go back to Moto Two and win us another title that'd be great, <laughs> and then if there's not a chance after that then we'll fuck you off like yeah. it's, it's very it's like yes. playground stuff isn't it? But it again, I, I I hate getting into this KTM whirlwind that we always get into, but it's just it literally just is every week. It just is like there's you can't avoid things. it. I think they're just done. It it's almost that KTM. They've got too many fingers in too many pies, and they don't really yeah. know which finger is in which pie or which finger they want in each, which pie. And it's like they're square pegs in round holes, and then blame really the guy is. that's like made the poles. It's like, well, yeah. pick the right fucking pole, and then you might actually, you know, get on with it. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's it's every fucking week with KTM, but hey, in terms in terms of other news, um, in terms of rumors and news, Guevara's basically all but signed for uh, Aspar Moto2. He'll be taking Arenas' seat, which I've heard that there's a rumour going around that Arenas might be going to Ayo Moto2, which, I mean, great, fucking great move for him. But, I, I mean, Arenas is a great rider, Moto3 world champion. But how on earth has he pulled that? If he pulls that out of the bag, then, you know, I, if, I, if I'm any rider there trying to get a ride, I'd be like, I want, I want whoever's managing him because... I'm not saying he's done, you know, we've seen weirder moves, but I don't look at Arenas and be like, yeah, that's who Io needs. I'd be thinking, you know, bring Dennis Onchu through, somebody who's ready for that move up, that's it not had be... that chance yet, that's, you know, looks, I don't know, I just think that's a better move, personally. It wouldn't be my first choice, really, um, Arenas, but again, I'd, there'll be, again, behind the scenes, there might be money involved or, yeah. Something a lot. There'll be something. So, yeah, mean, sponsorship. But saying that Red Bull massively fund that team, so it's not like they really need mm, the money. But uh, we, we don't know. It's not confirmed yet, so we don't really know if it's going to happen. But yeah, sort of like through the grapevine. Um, and mm. there is not. I don't think anybody really cares about any of this stuff apart from like absolute nerds like myself. But um, mm -hmm. Fabio Quattararo might be changing helmet supplier to HJC and maybe leather supplier. 
but we'll get into that as to why, well, I mean, unless you're listening to this completely blind, um, there's a few obvious reasons and a few obvious occasions why he might be changing leather supplier, but that's not confirmed. But HGC is yeah. looking more and more, um, well, more and more like I'll, happening. I'll vouch for that because my helmets are HGC. Oh, like, there you go then. Maybe right. drop him an email. Only, yeah, only the best have HGC helmets. I um, mean, I don't know if it's my Rossi side, but I really like AGV helmets and Shark. I always liked the Lorenzo Shark helmets. They mm. always look really good. Um, yeah, with with helmets, it's strange because depending on your head shape and size, different helmets will fit differently. Mm. Like I, I recently bought a Bell helmet and it was awful. Like yeah, it, not... it really, really, really didn't fit me. It's, it was uncomfortable. In fact, it, it, it started to hurt after a while. So yeah. I've gone back to HGC and I think I'll probably... Well, they them. say that Arai are meant to be the safest helmets, don't they? Like out of them all, like Arai have got really yeah, good safety yeah. uh, um, reviews. Well, Arai and Shoai are literally the top two you'll usually find in any shop. Is it's usually between them two always because mm. they, they really do put time and effort into like the design and the the build quality and and the features that that you get on those two helmets. But they are very very expensive. I don't think you'll find many under like three hundred. Or even yeah. four hundred, but whereas you can get a good HJC helmet for about over two hundred, about three hundred pound. So yeah, I mean, I I, I like AJV mainly because of like the pointed design. It's yeah, quite, yeah, sort of quite like aerodynamic, and it, our eyes more of a round nice. shape, which obviously yeah. clearly helps with the safety side of it. I mean, they're all really good in that aspect. But mm. um, you like what you like, I guess. But um, yeah, yeah no, that's true. Um, the last bit of news we we're going to get into. I don't know if there's anything else that we have news wise. But it'll kind of link us into the racing. Is the Max Racing team and Adrian Fernandez situation that happened in Q two? Um, for anybody that doesn't know, you can go on MotoGP's TikTok, Instagram, everything else, and you'll see this. I think on TikTok it's got like five million views or something. Um, basically, Adrian Fernandez was being ready to be shoved out in qualifying, and Max Racing team mechanics, two of them blocked him basically and did everything they could to not tag onto their rider in a live pit lane which long story short absolutely stupid and they've been banned they've been fined two thousand euros each and they've been banned for malaysia and australia because they've already like agreed with the like i don't know how it works but it's almost like work visas and stuff with japan and thailand it works differently so they they've almost granted them to work there and then they're banned for malaysia and australia which I mean, I was saying to you, Josh, wasn't I, before we recorded briefly, we spoke about it. I mean, for me, I'm just like, ban either ban them for the season or ban them completely because it's a live pit lane. And, and not only that, you know, we're talking about, like, you know, think of the things that have happened in the past. And, you know, you look at, like, F1 where there's been, I mean, I know there's not, like, refueling and stuff, like, in the pit lane, but you see, like, we've seen fires in the pit lane in the past. We've seen tyres flying down pit lane. Like, these are meant to be professional you know, mechanics, and you're pulling tricks like that. Like, you wouldn't even do that at club racing. If you did, you'd get, you'd get fully banned from that track or that series. And at world championship level, pulling tricks like that, I just think it's, I think it's ridiculous. And, I mean, I saw Biaggi come out on Twitter and say that we're not accepting that and we will punish them in the right way. But there is another part of me that thinks, well, someone's told them to do, either someone's told them to do that or that's clearly advocated to be like, 
oh, we're going to go do that now. And if they've done it completely off the cuff, which I think they'll, the team will make out that's what they've done, then fair enough, well, not fair enough, but then that's yeah reasonable think... on Biagi's point. But I, I don't know. I, I just find it ridiculous. I think I think they should be banned. Yeah, for me, watching it, it's just quite surreal because what on earth? I mean, as, as a lot were saying, that you know, they've never that's never been seen ever in like the pit lane um, for a lot of people, and I think for something like that to happen, just I can't really work it out because if it's off the cuff, if it, is it just them two have kind of just talked to each other and gone, let's let's try and. Do what are solid for the team. Yeah, and, I, I think it's just a case that one of the max max bikes has gone out, and then they've gone. Oh, they're going to send. They're going to send Fernandez out. Let's let's just go over, and it's just sort of like I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I don't, I, I don't want to spend I, millions of time on it, but like I just no, I don't. Either, I, I, but... I, I think it's just sort of like, and I don't mean that in a lazy way. I mean it in the way of just like for me, it's crystal clear. I would just I would just ban them. I just ban them. Yeah, I, I, for me, I'd ban them till the end of the season. And and obviously, hopefully, there's some kind of investigation going on to try and work out if if it was a rogue act with just them two, or was, or if there were, was some kind of something else to do with the team, or, or if there's a culture, you know, but that to just happen is a bit bizarre for me. I don't know, so I don't know really how I'm feeling on it in regards to whether it was. I just think it's two race band. Like what to me that that to them will just think, oh well, it's all right then, and then. The two thousand euros sound like you know it's the money they wouldn't spend going to like Malaysia and I mean they're not going to spend two grand. You know what I mean? Like they're not. I, I don't see that teaching them a lesson. Ban them for the season and say to Max Racing Team, right? You 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 know you two you you can't employ you can't replace them. You're now going to go two mechanics less. That will teach them. Yeah, exactly. It's it's. I don't really understand what it'll do to them or how it, you know, unless unless the team are gonna are gonna take matters into their own hands and maybe fire them. But well, I don't know. So. Let's hope so. Uh, they'll either be doing that to cover their own backs, or they're doing it because they're genuinely disgusted with the behaviour. And uh, hopefully, it's the latter. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that's enough on that particular topic because. Yeah. It's all if but some maybes in a way with with what's gone on there. But moving on to the actual race itself, Moto Three. So of course we had um, in pole position we had um, Guevara, Sasaki second, and Holgado third. They were our front row. Um, now for the race itself, anything you want to start off with? Anything that comes to mind? Well, Obviously. I mean, for, for Moto Three standards, it was pretty, um, pretty quiet. And, and, and anyone to look at that race and go boring? Why? Well, I don't think it was boring at all. I think it was quite an interesting race, really. And I think it was a slow burner, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it it's was a slow really... burner. Yeah, yeah. I think Guevara just, just showing his class once again. And I think he is really showing why Aspar have maybe picked him and not Garcia and mm. ultimately he's he's put it to the sword with Fodger and Garcia because they've both had really bad races i think garcia got very desperate yeah. and i think foggia just i don't know i think he's already thrown the towel in part of me thinks mm. like there's no real fight there with him and guevara is just he's just a class above and quite frankly i think 
Danny Hargado had a great... I think all the top three, I just think they had a really solid race. I think Antu did really well as well to fight through to that pack and get to fourth yep. and um, break away. And Holgado did the sensible thing. He knew he didn't have the pace to go to the very end because Guevara's pace was... He didn't just get get the gap at like six, seven, eight, nine seconds and then obviously it ended up being 12 to Antu and 16 to that other pack. He, he just carried on and carried, the pace was just so high, which is why Holgado didn't hang on and Sasaki you saw that last lap was pushing to try and even get close to him maybe on the back straight and Guevara was just so consistent I mean you want to talk about a future Grand Prix rider that's a future Grand Prix it, it, it reminds me of like Bagnaya and Morbidelli in the Moto 2 days where they get yeah. out front and it would just be like tick 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 like just fantastic ride um yeah and yeah I mean... quite, quite frankly I, I I wouldn't be surprised or wouldn't be against you if you were to say he's your rider of the day because it's just, to me, as boring as people might say that is, that's admirable for me as a ride. I think that's just like, it's Lorenzo sort of-esque. You know what I mean? That sort of just dominant, fluent. Out. Yeah, just brilliant did. ride. Uh, Sasaki did his best to try and keep up. Um, them two kind of, kind of, Pulled away from the rest of the pack fairly early on, I'd say, and it was it was unless obviously a mistake came up, it was going to be one of them two who crossed the checkered flag first. Um, now it was it was a, a ride to admire for Guevara, and I think it kind of shows it's kind of a championship winning ride, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and of course, you add in that the fact that where did um, Garcia finish thirteenth, and where did um, 14th, 14. Uh, them two, considering they're the ones in the title fight, that's huge. That's that's a massive blow because I can't really see Guevara making many mistakes going forward. Obviously, we're kind of into the wild card wild card rounds at the moment. Um, you know the flyaways where the likes of I don't think Guevara's never done them before, has he? No. Um, I think Fodger was. Fodger and Garcia would because yeah. Garcia, people seem in to forget. In 2019. Yeah, he used to ride for Estrella yeah. Galizia when they used to be like the team in mm. um, in Moto3. So he does have a bit of experience, albeit a long time ago, but that's, yeah. that, is a, that is a step ahead to Guevara, who's never been. Um, mm. But I get the feeling that Guevara, from minute one on Friday at Japan, will be out on his own doing laps after lap after lap. Oh, yeah, just, yeah. Just to get used to it. Yeah, because he's not... Guevara, to me, he, he looked completely comfortable being like, I'm going to sit on my own, get my time. Like, you know when you see a rider in Moto3 go out on their own all weekend, even if they don't win the race, you respect whatever result is because you know that they're putting the graft in without having to rely on anybody else anyway. Mm. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think Guevara will just be... I don't, he might not win, and he doesn't need to win necessarily because if Garcia and Foggia aren't doing anything, but... Hey, I think back to like 2013 uh, Moto3 Championship where it was like Louis Salon was just going to walk away with it with like four rounds to go and then he got wiped out ironically by Isaac Vinales, Maverick's cousin. And um, who won the Moto3 Championship at the end of the year? Maverick. So I have seen weirder things happen with, you know, and Moto3 is not exactly, uh, you know, it's not exactly a gentleman's class, is it, when it comes to racing? I'm not saying there's people being wiped out, but... It, it's not, you won't put it past it. Um, so there might be some fireworks. You know, when it gets flyways, 
like I've said before, we said it last year when it gets to like these last rounds of the year and people go, you know, like what, what if, you know, if Bagnai, like last year it was like, if Fabio, you know, would have carried on and you know, Bagnai would have carried on his form, Bagnai would have won the championship. It's like, yeah, but you've got to understand people's situation differently. Like, Guevara's not going to go into this weekend looking over his shoulder. He's going to be thinking straight ahead, absolutely blitz it. And Garcia's going to be chomping at the bit to just beat Guevara. So desperation kicks in. Foggia yeah. the same. You've got people that are fighting for their rides. So that extra pressure comes in across the field. You know, if somebody's not got a ride confirmed, it's like, mm. if, they're, if they're in negotiations with someone, it's like, well, I'll tell you what, if you can get, you know, three top fives before the end of the year, then you can have a ride. And people are making those extra lunges. It, it happens. People forget that, but it happens. We've seen it in the past, year after year, when when desperation kicks in, everything gets blown up. I mean, you think of like 2006 with Nicky Hayden and Pedroza, if you remember it, when they were at Estoril and yeah, Pedroza yeah, wiped yeah. him out. And it was like, oh. it was like the world had ended in MotoGP terms. It really was. It was. I, I, I mean, I was really young at the time. I was like five, six years old. But I remember me being the little Rossi fan, being like, even even kind of celebrating it, but being like, I never thought in a million years that would happen. It just takes that one moment for that one bit of desperation to kick in and the whole thing's been blown up. The whole yeah, thing. Yeah. I mean, you can look at it in MotoGP last year or MotoGP, I mean, pick, pick any year, do you know what I mean? Apart from like dominant years, it does happen. And quite frankly, look at Quattararo in 2020. Mizano yeah. pushed it too hot, too far, crashed. It's like when it gets to that time of the year, people start making these audacious moves. And Moto three, you're a lot younger, you're a lot more inexperienced. Do you know what I mean? Like it happens more and more in the lower classes. So yeah. don't be surprised if you see some like real out there sort of lunges. We think, why on earth is he doing it? I think there's an element where you've got to take that into consideration where you think he's fighting for his career. You know what I mean? If they've got no confirmation for next year, I always think it. I think, you know, if somebody like, I mean, he's an, he's an Italian and he rides an Italian team and he's got great management. But if I, if he didn't have all of those going in his favour, I would look at someone like Andrea Migno and be like, he'll be, he'll be doing anything to get any position gained. He'll do anything. But, you know, it's it's those sort of like middle pack riders like John McPhee. He's not going to be in yeah. Moto Three next year. He, I'll be amazed if he's in Moto Two next year. But somebody might be in negotiations negotiations with him in Supersport or BSB. And you know, if McPhee can get a podium, he's sort of going out on a high to be like, well, I've still got it. Do you know what I mean? Like these sorts of things. I know I'm going on a bit of a tangent, but I genuinely think these sorts of sort of like results and moments really do kind of come to fruition at the end of the year more so because you think the championship and next year and all that but I don't know I love to see when you know a rider's sort of like fighting for his for his ride and it's like it's, it's almost like a ticking time bomb that you don't want to look over your shoulder and be like shit he's behind me do you know what I mean like yeah say if yeah. Nakagami had not signed a contract yet and you were Bagnaya and you'd qualified next to Takanakagami you would be thinking, if he comes up the inside of me in turn one, let him go. Just let him go in front. Let me get past turn one. You would, wouldn't you? You you would sit there and think it. You would not be like, oh, he, I'll give him some back. Because Takanakagami in that instance would be like like anybody else would. 
I am getting through no matter what. If I if I'm going down, you're going down with me. Do you know what I mean? Like I like that side of it, which is why I'm a little bit like you never want to see a championship decided before the last round for the neutral side of things. And you don't want to see like all the grid decided before, like like we do now. We know every single rider. To me, I love it when you've got riders that are like, you know, on a knife edge. That to me gives yeah. it so much yeah. excitement. And well, Moto three and two, we don't we don't know half the grid, do we? So I, I think there's going to be some fireworks. I really do. I'm convinced. There's so much to it, like you said. I mean, Garcia doesn't need to really not Garcia Guevara doesn't really need to make any mistakes or or he doesn't need to push but this is this is what I mean when does it when does it change from win everything you can to let's just take what we can get yeah let's let's pick up because that will kick that will kick that will happen every you know look at years gone by look at Fabio look at Fabio last year you know we win 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 or whatever and then Bang Nye started picking up points it was just like right Let's take a third. Let's yeah. take a second. Like, and you do do that, but that adds so much more pressure. So, in the management side of it, if you're like Gino Boysoya, Aspar, do you say do you say to Guevara? I mean, probably not now because there's still five rounds to go. But when do you turn around to him and say, "Look, if Sergio, who you have to manage as well, if Sergio comes up the inside, how do you tell an 18 year old don't fight back?" Mm-hmm. Do you know yeah. what I mean? How do yeah. you do that? Because he might react in a certain way. He might react in a really sensible way and thinking, I'll let him go. I'm heading the championship. But he might react in a way of, this is my championship. You want to piss off me and let it go another round. They're inexperienced. Do you know what I mean? Like I know they've got so much experience riding at junior categories, but when it's world championship level, there's so many more chips on the table. It's To me, that excites me, knowing that all of that's going on in the background, because it 100% is. 100%. Yeah, exactly. You've got everyone's fighting for the careers of the futures, and no one's just going to take that and roll it over, are they? They're going to, they're really going to push in, and it's it's on Garcia now, and it's on, um, it's on Fodge now to really make the moves and make them stick. Like yeah. Guevara's got what a twenty, or a thirty, thirty-two point lead in the championship uh, at the 30... moment. Five, I think it is. Thirty-five. So he's got more than a race win. So he 30, can just thirty-four. Is it thirty-four? I don't know. Thirty-four. I think it is. Yeah, thirty-three, something like that. So he can just eke out. He can just keep on eking him out, and he's going to tracks he doesn't necessarily know very well, if at all. So of course, for him, if he can just get around and collect a few points every every race weekend, yeah. and let Garcia and Fodger do the do the dive bombs on the inside, mm. it's down to them because. There's yeah. a big chance that they might not, they might not, it might not pay off, and then the DNF, and then it's more points in Guevara's favor. So, but you say that the ball really is in his court now. You say that, but you can, can you remember 2015 with Danny Kent, where it was like, oh, it's wrapped up, he can basically win it in the next few races. Aragon, last lap, last corner, high sides. Philip mm. Island, turn, I think it was Dewan's corner in turn two, gets wiped out, or, or somewhere like there. I think it was there, or yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Um, and Miguel Oliveira was just on smoke. He was just winning every race. He, he couldn't stop getting just maximum points. And it was almost like a, this could have been wrapped up three races ago, but all of a sudden, yeah. in the flyaways, it's just well, gone it up. But it, that's what I mean, it can happen. And um, we say, oh, Guevara's got 33-point lead. Let's say we go to Mategi and Garcia's looking really good, right? Looking And Guevara's matching him. 
let's say Guevara gets wiped out in the first lap and Garcia yeah, wins, possible. that's yeah. gone from 33 to eight points. Mm. Wide open again. Exactly. There, there is, of course, there is that wild card element of, yeah. well, the unlucky uh, of being wiped out because it can happen, especially Moto3, as we saw, well, we saw with Joshua Watley, didn't we? Yeah. Um, Aragon, he... Uh, he got wiped out, and that was that was his race done. That's all it takes to turn a championship on its head, and it's still tight. It's still, I mean, of course, it's probably going to be one of those three. But is Sasaki still like mathematically can win it? I mean, there's um, still a few that mathematically can win it. I think so. Sasaki's on one hundred and fifty-eight, and Guevara's on two hundred and twenty-nine. So yeah, so there's a there's a big gap. But yeah, yeah no, never I, say never. I'm never say never, never. But I, I mean, personally, I can't see Foggia winning it. So to me, to me, it's yeah, horse race exactly. now. It's two horse race. Mm. Um, and, and I mean, Guevara's, you know, for, if, to move up to Moto Two, it's the right decision, really. Especially yeah. if it was between him and Garcia, because Garcia has a, has had a few attempts. So has Foggia now. You know, they've been mm. in it quite a few years. Um, but it's looking good for Guevara. Anyone else for Moto Three? You want well, to touch on? I was going to say Matt's rider of the day is anyone other than the Husqvarna <laughs> riders because of their mechanics actions. Okay. Now, on Matt's point, I get where he's coming from, but I wouldn't sanction McPhee or Sasaki because obviously they had nothing to do with it. But I get where he's... I think it's more just reiterating the point of how disgusting mm. it was from them. Um, but no, not really in terms of like actual pointers. I mean, obviously we had Maria Herrera with an all-woman's team, which I thought was really good. Um I like that, but I also question that because I look at Dorna agreeing to go to Saudi Arabia and think we're encouraging women in motorsports and encouraging an all-women's team, and yeah. yet we're going to a country where they literally objectify women throughout the whole nation. So I'm like, where yeah, do the morals lie within this? Very sport? restrictive. Yeah, very yeah. restrictive. No, I get that. Um, again, looking at... Uh, further down the grid. I mean, Holgado did well for third, holding yeah. off that massive trail of how many riders? About five, six riders? Well, obviously, Holgado and Sasaki clinged on to Guevara. They didn't overtake anybody mm. at all, did they? They sort of shot off, then Onchu broke through. And to be honest with you, my, my, if I'm going to pick a rider of the day, I mean, you could, you could pick a few there. David Munoz, we forget how young he is. Ivan Ortola on a, you know, pretty low-end KTM. Adrian Fernandez making his um, career best in P5, who's had, you know, that kind of a weekend mm. and really had, the, I think, a blunt end of the stick with the whole Raul thing that's been kicking off in KTM and just yeah. not a great first year in terms of, like, off track. I don't think, I mean, that's kind of looking at it from our point of view, you know. But um, th there's a few rides you could give it to. Honestly, there are, there are a few. And if I'm going to give it to anybody, I'm going to give it to, I'm going to give it to Holgado. Adrian Fernandez close second, but I think Algado has just got better and better in my eyes, and I really do rate him. I think he's yeah, I, I, and I, I think probably a bit of pity with him losing his ride at IEO and going to Tech Three. I kind of feel for him because again, I, I mean, think about it. If Guevara and Sasaki aren't in that race, he's beat everybody else in the field by at least six seconds. Mm. It's like even that in itself isn't a great achievement for Algado. You, you know, if I'm his manager, I'd be like. Don't beat yourself up. That's a fantastic ride. Um, but he's and Guevara just on a different planet. But obviously, I don't like giving it the race winner, so I'll give it. I'll give it Holgado. Yeah, no, that's a good shout, with Holgado. It's definitely someone I would have picked. Um, for me, uh, it's a tough one, really. Um, 
anyone in that kind of front pack could be worthy of it. Um, Munyoth put a good display in again. He's showing, you know, he's going from strength to strength, I think. Um, because to be fair, a few races ago, he probably would have been that, um, being in that pack because he would have gone for some stupid dive bomb. But it looks like he's maturing again. Ivan Diaz uh, or Otola with that, with that, um, sixth place. But I don't know. I'll probably, I'll go with, uh, I think Onchu, fourth place. Yeah. Another strong result. Um, and he's someone who's there or thereabouts seem, seemingly all the time, isn't he? he yeah, he does, that's, that's what I mean. I, I think he's worried Moto2. The cream yeah. rise to the top in Moto3 with consistency, and he, he just yeah. is consistently there. So I, I mm. would definitely value him going to Moto2. I think it makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So that wraps up um, Moto3. Of course, we'll look at a quick look at the standards, but we can't have been through it anyway. But we have... Um, Guevara on 229 points, Garcia 196 points, and Fodger on 171 points. And they're really, realistically, the only the three that are most likely to win it. Um, yeah, moving on to Moto 2, then. Um, oh, that's a, another point, and we, we kind of have to mention it because you know, having a, a, an American, an American kind of related uh, podcast yeah. as well, of course, is Cambodia has decided to um return to I think Moto America yeah at the end of the season. Um he gave it a good shot. Yeah in MotoGP in Moto two. He he's had a good he's had a good go. Um he's had some good results and some nearly results as well. Um but we wish him all the best as well in his his kind of future endeavours in back in Moto America. But it is it is tough probably traveling the world and when you you were used to being in Moto America, where you were able to go home after every weekend back to California, and now he's he's kind of wanting that again. So, fair yeah, enough. No, yeah, I, I, uh, I reiterate, reiterate every point you've made. There. I, I agree. I think it's just one of those things where there's a lot of people that can turn around and judge him on his results and judge him on going back or whatever. But one thing you can't, you know, degrade him for is giving it a go. He's given it two good years and credit to it because. It could have been very easy for Cam to just stay in uh, Moto America where he looked ever so good and, you know, the absolute king almost in Moto America of winning every weekend and think, why should I go and fight my way up from the back at Moto2? And yeah. he did it, you know what I mean? Like, he, he gave it a fucking good go and he's, he's mm. had some good rides and, you know, I think it's one of them. I don't think he'll look back and regret it because he's had he'll, he'll only become a better rider for it. But um, uh, he gave it a go, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Like he did, uh, and, and he had can... a good ride at Kota, if you remember, uh, in his yeah, um, yeah. in his first attempt at Kota. And um, yeah, no, I, I think he's I think he's only gained from it really. I don't think it's like a, a sour thing or anything like that. And with him going out, I think that opens the door for Rory Skinner, but that's not confirmed. But he is obviously managed by John Hopkins, who is the rider coach of American Racing Team. So. Nothing confirmed yet. There might be an, another American rider on it, but that's a uh, possibility, and that would be great for us if we have Rory Skinner in Moto Two. Yeah, that would be really good. Um, another opportunity, another shot at um, a Britain MotoGP. Um, but going into the race itself, um, of course, it was as a race as races go. It was it was definitely a, a muted. Moto two as well, um, compared to some of the others. But at the same time, you know, we had a Pedro Costa win, which 
is always nice to see um, for a rider with such he's back. Um, he's back. Someone with so much expectations on his shoulder, you know, to to go and win again and show that he's he's how many did he won before? For, won well, he, he won at Magello and then then Magello, he broke yeah, his leg, yeah. didn't he? So yeah, yeah, he got oh. all that momentum like creeping up, creeping up, creeping up. Won, broke yeah. his leg, and then it's like creeping up, creeping up, creeping up. Won in Aragon, so. You know, fingers crossed he stays fit for fit, fit for the flyaways. But then again, like we were saying earlier, as Pedro, for an example, he's never been. Never mm. been to Mategi. So um, it'd be interesting to see how he gets on there. But I do think with the momentum of winning and being back fully fit and having two race wins under his belt in your rookie year, I think people are overlooking it. I really do. I think because of the expectation you just mentioned, it's like, why well, has he not won the championship? I think next year we're yeah, going gonna to see level two of Pedro Costa next year. I think, yeah, we're going to see a different kind of, of Pedro Costa. This has just been his warm-up year, really. I mean, it's had to be in a way because obviously he, he broke his leg. But, you know, thinking of, thinking on, he can, he, it's good that he's had this year without much pressure expectations after like, breaking your leg to be able to mm. say, right, yeah, well... People I'll forget, just... though, don't they? They forget, like, you look at past, past riders like Miguel Oliveira... Brad Binder, Luca Marini, Alex Marquez. These are riders that we look at in MotoGP and, you know, give them great credit because they deserve it. But you look back when they were in Moto2, look at Remy Gardner. You know, he took like four or five years to get the hang of it in Moto2. And, yeah, you could turn around and say, well, Pedro's gone on a great bike, but look at other riders that are on good bike. Look at Nico Antonelli. I know he's not, like, in the calibre of the riders I've just mentioned, but he's on a bike that's clearly won in Moto2 with Vietti. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Vietti's managed to make it win in this, this year's bike, but he's absolutely nowhere and has been every single race. So the jump to three and two is no joke. And for like I say, Acosta for me, I just think give it give it till next year. I think he'll be on a different level. I really do. Yeah, I think so as well. Um of course we had Canet and Fernandez, um a nice little battle for for second place. He just um still can't win, can he, Aaron? Cannot win. Honestly, he, seeing Backler fighting, yeah, it, I do, I do enjoy it. I do like it. Um, you know, it, that's someone who's been so unlucky. He's so maybe not underrated because I think a lot of people know his, you know, his talent. A lot of people know how good he can be and how good he is. Um, but the fact he hasn't won yet is just so frustrating. You know, it's so frustrating, and he, he's been knocking on the door, and of course. I dare say without how many races was he out for with his injury? I can't remember. Two. Yeah, two, yeah. I think it was. But you know, I dare say he could have been up there in the title fight. Had things gone a bit different, but as is you know, as is a sport, we um, people do people sometimes get the look, sometimes people don't, and momentum and things like that. But it's nice to see him back fighting um, for a podium spot and. Surely, surely he's on for a win before the season's out. Surely, well, you'd I mean, like to think so. Yeah, you would like to think so. Yeah, but um, again, it's one of those things that the cream will rise to the top. I'm sure, unless you're mm. really unlucky. I mean, I look at someone like Zarco, and I think, like, for me, he deserves a win in GP. I just don't know how he's not got a win. Um, but like, can it's not at that level? But I'm like, it will come. It just, it just will. Like, I, I don't, I don't see it getting to a point where he's mm-hmm. like. Eh, he's not good enough. Get rid, like, because I think he'll just he'll be waiting to get that win to then just 
settling into it. Um, but yeah, no, some really good rides across the board. Obviously, Augusto Fernandez doing a championship, a whole lot of good, solid rides, beating everybody in the yeah. championship status, um, finishing one place in front of Agora. Yeah. Um, actually, I say that, you know, Aaron Kennett's third in the championship. He's actually still within contention, like you've said, for the championship. Um, but kind of damage limitation for Augusto Fernandez. And yeah, I mean, obviously we had Jake Dixon crash on the last lap, which was a massive kick in the nuts. Um, bit, bit of a disappointment. But we obviously, for our yeah. American listeners, we had Joe Roberts finishing ninth and yep. Cambodia finishing eleventh. So not not a bad, not a bad, um, not a bad viewing from uh, the from the Americans. But obviously, yeah, Sean Kelly finishing in twenty first. Um, so kind of disappointing for Sean. I don't know what his situation is for next year. I think he's planning on staying in American Racing Team. Um, but yes, that's kind of it across the board. I, I don't want to like glance over it as though like there's nothing to talk about, but it kind of was what you saw in Moto2. There wasn't anything that really stood out. Obviously, we had Alonso Lopez that crashed down the first lap, yep. um, which kind of is disappointing because his momentum at the minute it just looks so good. But on the other hand, Credits Fermin Aldegar, which I think, again, I think he's one of them that goes under the radar because of his expectation and potential. Sixth place, he's 17 years old. Yeah. He's, he's 17 years old. He's, you know... The, the potential he's got, it's um, yeah. it's quite frightening, actually. Uh, I dare say, off the win. you know, maybe we might see an Acosta-Aldegar fight mm. next year. That would be something special. Um, I think if Aldegar had a better bike, then... yeah. That's true. Um, but I can't see him staying on that for very long. If he puts in a good show in, well, who, how many, what's this contract? Is he? Is it this I and think, next season? I think, yeah, I think he's signed for, and I don't want to get this wrong, but he might have even signed for the year after that mm. for um, Bosco no. Scorer. But I think he has at least signed for next year. Um, but who knows? I mean, he's so young, so it's not like he's against time, is it? And obviously... exactly. Um, the whole age bracket for GP being 18 as well. So it's not even like, you know, I don't know when his birthday lands, but it'll be good for him to have a, a fair few mm. years in Moto2 in the yeah. World Championship as opposed to the European Championship that he won um, for Fermin. I, I just think he's one of them that just needs time, needs a lot of, like, you know, nurturing and whatnot. And then when he goes to GP, I think he'll be more than ready because I think he will go to GP for sure. You know, you're not yeah. that good at 17 and the only way he wouldn't go to GP is if he doesn't put the work in or something goes completely against him where he just tails off. Mm. You're not that good at seven. I mean, at 16, won, I think every race bar two or one in the European Moto2 Championship. Like, at 16, mm. winning that is... Winning it, winning a race in Moto2 at 16 is one thing. Winning a championship in Moto Two at sixteen years old. Bear in mind, he's not fully grown yet at sixteen, and you're back. You know, that's some going. So yeah, I really rate Fermin, and um, another good ride for like the the likes of Somkiat Chantra, kind of another one that sort of goes under the radar. But again, he's consistent, and going into their home races, obviously we've got the Honda Team Asia, which Honda Track me and Mategi they'll want to perform there for Ayagora. Yeah. And yeah. followed up by the tie race for Somcat. So two back to back home races for that team. And who knows, if we get a I mean if we get a tie winner in Thailand then That'll be incredible. Wow. <laughs> I mean he's a national he, he holiday, in, I think. Yeah, he won in Indonesia. And I'm not saying that means he'll win in Thailand, but 
the support from that. I remember when we watched it live, we both said like Thailand sold out. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. that that will be sold out. Especially with the weight as well. So it's good for them to return as a race winner for both of them. Ayagora is now going back as a race winner in Moto2 to, to Japan this weekend. And Somcat's going to Thailand next weekend as a race winner in Indonesia. So, yeah, uh, good couple of weeks, hopefully hopefully for them. But I'll probably jinx on. Um, mm-hmm. Rider of the day, we have Matt picking Acosta. Now, he's kind of gone against the grain there in picking the race winner, but Matt... Yeah, he didn't probably... usually, doesn't usually pick the... The race winner, does he? He usually picks somebody that's crashed, but he thinks has a, yeah. has given it a good a good go. Um, but yeah, I think Matt's got his KTM hat on there, picking Acosta. But oh, I mean, ultimately, I so. what a ride! But we've kind of spoken about Acosta. Um, do you want to pick your rider of the day first, and me pick it after? Yeah. Or? So ah, uh, tough one again. You could pick Aldegar. You could pick mm. Fernandez Agora. I'll just go with Canet for me. Yeah. Um. A really good battle, back showing kind of what he's capable of. Um, a set, solid second place, and uh, I think it's only a matter of time before that win comes. Personally, yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for Fermin Aldegar because I mean that Bosco score is sort of hit and miss. And again, I've kind of already glanced, glanced. I've already touched on what I think of him and his mm. ride. So, yeah, no. Um, good picks. Acosta, Canet, and Fermin Aldegar. And then now we move on to MotoGP. Now... We do indeed. Um, yeah. Oh, just quickly, um, before we do, we'll just set the standings of Moto2, because obviously we did it for oh, yeah, 3 yeah, so of keep it. But uh, Fernandez is on 214. Ayagora is 7 back on 207. And then Aaron Canet is about 40 back. No, 30 back or 40. My math is terrible. On 177. So, um, really, realistically, it's between Fernandez and Igora. Um But, again... If Canet gets a race win and... Yeah, if, you know. if Canet gets a race win and Fernandez and Igora have a tumble, both, and, you know... That ends out. It brings him right back into it. And Vietti, we've not even mentioned him. Someone who was leading the championship yeah. for so long has yeah. now just started to fizzle out. I guess. So I think yeah. I think we all kind of knew. Well, we didn't. We didn't know it was going to happen, but with that, we knew that that momentum would only last so long from the earlier part of the season. I think. Um, but that concludes Moto Two, and then we move on to quite an eventful uh, MotoGP with a few talking points to say the least yeah but obviously i'll let you open on that because i'm sure that there's one particular part of the, the race that you'd like to talk about so or yeah, maybe not like um, to talk about yeah i was so. gonna say maybe i don't want to talk about it but um i um yeah so for anybody that again i, I don't know what the listeners have and haven't watched but obviously i think it's a given now that um if you, if you don't know what's happened, then maybe don't listen to the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, Fabio crashing out on lap one. And there was a lot of people kind of going at Mark for that. And quite frankly, I mean, Matt rang me um, on Sunday to ask me what I thought about it. And to be honest, it's one of them where I said, it's lap one, these things happen. If roles mm. were reversed, I would never in a million years be saying Fabio deserves a penalty because someone sits up in front of you, you sit up, 
that's racing. It it happens, and you know, you qualify anything lower than the front row, you're going to be around people. I it it really pains me to say it. Obviously, with Fabio crashing, but I think. I have the right view in saying that it happens. It's racing incident. I don't think Mark deserves a penalty for yeah. it. It just, that's racing. I don't mean to keep repeating myself, but, you know, if, like I say, roles reversed, I would not be sitting there saying Fabio deserves a penalty. Or if Fabio got a penalty for that, I would be, I would be fuming with it. Um, it's just unfortunate. And yeah, yeah, it's blown the championship up. But obviously we had a fight at the front, which I was... Um, rooting for Anaya for, and obviously a fantastic battle. And I thought about 10 laps before the battle started, I thought when Anaya originally got in front, that then he would not clear off, but I thought he'd put it to the sword a little bit. And I think he then thought, okay, maybe there's a bit more of a battle on my hands here than what I thought, and maybe just a bit more of a management of the tyre. Um, but yeah, on the topic of Fabio crashing, his leathers opened up and... He got some severe burns on his chest and then got on the back of a marshal's moped. Yeah. And the marshals crashed the moped. Um, and I have seen that uh, reports have come out as well that that marshal has also crashed into a junior GP rider and broke his arm. Um, that's not confirmed officially, but I do think, like, you know, what what are marshals racing around at to crash into somebody on the outskirts of it? Like your your like, you know, main responsibility is the health and care and the, you know, thinking of the rider on the back of the bike, as well as your own health and the people around you. Like, I don't know, I think that's sort of like a wake up call to a lot of marshals and a lot of people around the edge of the track to mm. be a lot more cautious and to reiterate how important it is to have helmets on the back of those things. Cause you see a yeah. lot of riders sort of rushing back off without helmets. And I always do sit there and think like, I know it's in the moment you want to get your helmet off and this, but like you are still riding around at 20, 30 yeah. mile an hour. Like unless you're in the back of the paddock where it's, you know, on the electric little scooters and it's 10, five mile an hour, even still like, I'm not saying fucking I'll wear your full leathers walking around the paddock, but it just goes to show how important that is because it only takes one little crash like that with no helmet on. You're talking, you're talking, fucking brain damage and shit. I like mean, that. you know what I mean like, I'm glad exactly. they, I'm glad to hear they had helmets on. I know I'm not making a, a mountain out of a molehill, but if they didn't have helmets on and they crashed, people would be saying, "Why on earth are people letting him walk around with a helmet?" Without, you know. Mm. So, um, but yeah, no, it's a a weekend to forget for Fabio because he he definitely had better pace than what I thought he had. But yep. even watching like FP4, I was pulling my hair out because it was like red sector, red sector, red sector, grey. Red sector, red sector, red sector, grey. Because every time he got to the back straight, he lost half a second. And yeah, that, I mean, imagine being a Fabio there. You you would be pulling your hair out. You'd be like, I'm quicker everywhere. As When it comes down to the rider, I'm quickest. But when it comes to pinning that throttle back and tucking in, I'm losing half a second. Do you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. You would be pulling your hair out with it, um, because there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, no, all. nothing, nothing. So, nothing. I, I think he knew Aragon was going to be a bit of a bit of a grey cloud, but obviously, crashing out and having that's even worse, and having it's, Mark it, not being able to battle them is even worse because it, it yeah eliminates another rider to let one of the eight million Ducatis to come yeah, through exactly. and celebrate a constructors championship. Like fuck off, but um, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, to be fair. It, it was a shame because, you know, we we did see 
we did see Fabio have a bit of pace apart from on the straight, and I was really interested to see how how much he could, how much trouble he could give the Ducatis and the Leish. I reckon, you know, obviously we never know how a race could end because we never know if someone's going to make it to the end. But I think he could have, he could have been fighting for third with a Leish easily on the cards. Yeah, easily. I mean, with how it finished, with obviously. Bagnaia first, Bast- uh, Bastianini first, Bagnaia second, Aleish a little bit far behind. He probably had the pace to beat Aleish to a podium. And that would have really, really um, reduced the, the damage, especially with Bastianini beating Bagnaia. But then maybe, obviously, Bagnaia might have thought, well, you know, in in our timeline, it's kind of like, well, Fabio's out, so I don't need to risk as much. Whereas maybe in that one, he's like, right, I need to... I need these extra five points, so I'm going for it. Get out of my way in here. So it's kind of one of them. Um, it, it's it, it's a shame. But again, when you're saying about who do you blame, for me, um, there is no blame. I mean, yeah. I saw it on... I saw both sides on, on Twitter, as you do. I saw that, oh, Mark just, just drove it straight in front of Fabio. What the hell was he doing? And then it's, oh, Fabio, why did he ride straight into the back of Mark? What the hell's he doing? It's kind of... I just think... It's a racing incident. That's it. it's yeah. a first lap. It's a first lap. Yeah. Everyone's punched together. If someone makes a little mistake and you're right behind them, no reaction time's going to serve you. You're going straight into the back of them, and that's it. And then of yeah. course, a little bit of fairing got trapped in in Mark's bike, um, and then obviously it's going to activate the whole shot or deactivate it, and it's 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 kind of um, steering left, isn't it? Yeah, and and of course, unfortunately, Nakagami was took the brunt of that and he's come off and had a little bit of a, an accident and I think he broke his wrist. Yeah. Which means he's not going to be at his home race, which is horrendous. But silver lining, he's got next year. So, so yeah. 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 That's another um, bit of news, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and obviously Mark did come out and say he felt sorry for Fabio and went yeah, round. Exactly. You know, he went round and apologised for Fabio and Fabio has come out and said, look, sort of shit happens in a way and it's just onto the next one and I think that's the best there's no no you know bummers with that one I think it's just one of them where you just you have to just suck it up and move on because there's nothing you can obviously do about it but there's nothing there to, to feed off and be like Mark's done it on purpose or any you know, shit like that that's a, so there's nothing like no, that no 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 I mean obviously if Fabio had just fallen off himself I'm sure he'd be absolutely seething with himself but yeah when it when it's beyond your control and it's just it's just happened. You can't really, you can't get too angry. Um, and and the main thing is that he's um, he's not injured. He's had, he had obviously his levers opened and he's got a few bends and and that'll take a bit of time to heal. But the the main thing is he's not fractured anything or broken anything mm. or or got concussion as far as we know or bad concussion. So we can go. He can go into Japan, Mategi, and the rest of the flyer races and really, really you know, kind of soldier on now. Yeah. Um, and a few of those tracks will will suit the Amhara of the Ducati. So I'll I say think Philip Island but, will. Yeah, definitely. I think Philip Island will, but um, I think I think of Thailand and its landing strip straight. <laughs> and I think I'm absolutely dreading that. Uh Honestly, I'm going to predict it right now. I, I think Ducati in Thailand will lock out the top five mm. in in result. I think it'll be like Bagnaia, Bastianini, Miller, Martin, Bez, 
something like that. I, 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 I just I, I see him absolutely pissing it. Well, again, there's the Yamaha or, or really Fabio, especially at Thailand. That, that no matter what he can do in the in the corners, he can't do anything on the straights. That's why well, it just goes to show how good of a ride it was in 2019. I know he lost the battle mm. with Mark, but to him and Mark to clear off and keep up with the Honda at the time, which was quick in a straight line, and that that mm. Yamaha was slow in a straight line. Just to show like how good a pace he actually did have. But that's for another weekend when we get out to Thailand. A few yes. pointers: Brad Binder's start. Wow, he had a great start, um, and not he's not going to be my rider of the day. But Alex Rins got caught up in the Fabio incident and actually managed to finish ninth. He re-entered dead last, I'm pretty sure. And uh, mm. obviously we had that incident with Nakagami, which kind of freed up like eight places, seven places, whatever. But, you know, to finish 12 seconds behind Anea Bastianini and Bagnaia, which were set in some pace, six seconds in front of Aleish. So effectively, for Rins to finish six seconds behind, you know, the rest. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a brilliant ride. well i mean and let's not forget he's on a bike which probably yeah. hasn't been developed for i don't i don't know i don't know what to think how long that hasn't half, been developed for. half the data as well obviously yeah. when you're withdrawing exactly so to get ninth on a on a team on a bike that that will be no more after this season with a team that will be no more after this season's fairly good going and obviously it meant a lot to him being a you know spanish grand prix and yeah you know to get a, a top 10 is is always nice. Um, who else? Again, yeah, Binder start. I mean, Mr. Sunder, he's finished fourth. If if he could qualify further up, it'd be scary to think where he could finish week in, week out. But whether yeah. that's more him or whether that's more the bike is why he can't perform, perform so much on a Saturday, usually. Um, but they looked good in... Um, was it FP3, I think it mm. was? Or FP... I've been FP4. FP4, I mean, I know Miguel Oliveira topped, but I think it was FP3 where they were like second and third, and everyone was like, what's going on here? Like, what's the KTM done? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no solid. So, I mean, it's Matt's rider of the day, which again, KTM fan, I'm not surprised. But besides that, you have to give him credit because that bike has been nowhere this year, and quite frankly, mm. he's rode the absolute wheels off of it. Um, yeah. And ultimately... I know we've spoken about the Anaya Bassinini and Bagnaia fight, kind of, but Anaya did so, so well to re regain composure and take it to Bagnaia. Um, oh, 100%. 100%. And I like that. I like it because they're going to be teammates next year. And again, I've said it before, when those two fight, it is almost like a, yeah, yeah, good good, good ride, good race, whatever. But it's it's asserting dominance yeah. on a satellite bike that sort of, I mean, it's, to me... It kind of digs a little bit deep. Maybe people think I'm digging a bit deeper than what I should be, but that'll be in Bagnaia's mind. No matter if he wins the championship next year, you know when he looks across that garage in Sepang mm. for testing and that guy's yeah. won a few races on the older bike and he's now yeah. his teammate. You are... I'm sorry, but you're not telling me is not going to be sitting there thinking, I ain't going to just be fighting Fabio and Mark. I'm going to be fighting him because we've said yeah. it before, like yeah. an Aussie with Jack Miller... We knew we were never going to win a championship for Ducati. For him to be playing rear gunner, he's great. Works out for for Peko, doesn't it? You know, we've seen him play rear gunner so many times for him. Bastianini's not going to be playing rear gunner, not unless he has a really weird season where 
he's absolutely out of contention and then he just plays team role. I see Bag I see Bastianini being like bollocks to that. I'm I am yeah, gonna yeah, be yeah. the man. Yeah, this is gonna be it's gonna be a two way shootout from next season. Um like a Rossi Lorenzo vibe where where it's really I hope so. there's not much to separate it. There's there's a bit of bad blood. I mean look at F1 again, but if you look at like Hamill and Rosberg, when they started out together in Mercedes, it was like, yeah, good good P1, good P2, nice one. But it wasn't long before there was no love lost. There, was there comes a point, doesn't there? There comes a point yeah. where someone's like, I'm not getting P2 every weekend. That's yeah. not going to happen. I yeah, mean, exactly. <laughs> someone put on um, on our t- a reply to our tweet and was like, I'm sure Rossi will be having his yeah, contact yeah. in to get a wall between Bagnar and Bastianini. But can you imagine if that... I mean, it, it would never happen, I don't think, but... Can you imagine if you went well, to like? Can you imagine if you went to like Mugello, like their home race, and yeah. the Italian riders have got a wall between them? I'd, it would just cause so much controversy, and it I would mean, be like, you know, the rivalry's on, sort of thing. Like, I mean, oh. for the for the sport, it's good for the sport, you know, for the drama, for, for yeah, the tension, yeah, yeah. things like that. Hundred percent. We want a wall built between. We want. We want. Yeah, them we do. To... We do. And uh, for me, I, I, this sounds really sinister, but I would just love to see like either one of them take the, the other one out in like Qatar. So, you know, just, just like early doors where you don't think it matters, but it just sit, you know, it just sort of digs that dagger into one, it, the other yeah, one to be like, need it. you know well, what I mean? A bit like, a bit like when Banyaya took out Martin, but if that was obviously this Or, or like season. when Iannone took out the Vizioso from remember in Argentina in like 2016, I think it was. And it was like, oh, well, we're probably going to go with Iannone. And then it was like, what what are you doing? Like that could have been our first double podium at the time. Yeah, they wiped him out, and then he crashed in Le Mans, and, st- and it was almost like, a, what's going on here? Like, why is there all of a sudden like this Ducati yeah. like clash? But, um, but that would be next, great. Next season is looking exciting because you, you've got yeah. Banyaya. If Ducati is on the ball and they don't do an earlier this season where they, they, they seem to tinker with the bike too much and it takes them like half the season to get on the ball. Mm-hmm. So if you've got them two fighting, that's going to be drama. Then you add in Fabio on a, on a bike that's looking promising with, with a bit of straight line speed, but keeping the kind of cornering philosophy. Adding a renewed Marquez. a renewed Marquez and Honda, then Mia as well, yeah. Yeah. which might I don't know. He might take to the he might take to that Repsol. He might like a duck to water. There's also, so we much... have Martin who he might come out and be. I'm not going to go to the Ducati factory, so. Maybe my interests aren't where they're there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might come out and be, you know, we might see a revolutionary version well, of Martin where he... Again, know... because Martin, well, actually, you don't know really. I, I was going to say maybe he might think, just give me this year's bike that's refined, that's at top of the game. But he might get given next year's bike, most likely next year's. But next year's, yeah. He, he's, he's still going to be kind of wanting to prove a point, not just to Ducati, but he might say, right, Yamaha, there I am. Um, Honda, yeah. here I am. Because if Mark, if Mark Marcus, I'd have him. At, I'd have him at Yamaha. Yeah, I think I think he's he has potential. Personally, I think he he could go to Repsol if if Marquez in an in an event where Marquez has this kind of another injury, he, he crashes. It's oh yeah, big injury. Yeah. If Mark, and he's done. Yeah, he's done. You know, Marcus is like, oh Honda girl. Look, I think it's best if we just part ways now. Well, you say that. Like that. I mean, I, I think if I mean, yeah, it could be Martin, but. If, Spanish, Mar- if, if Marquez you know, ends up Spanish packing his bags, I, I think Pedro will go. Costa, yeah, definitely in there. 
I just think it. you look at Marquez when he was in Moto2, it was like mm. straight up. Like, you know, it, obviously it took Stoner to retire for him to go from LCR, what was planned uh, to go to yeah. LCR, to go to to factory. But I think they'll know how much that paid off with believing in his talent. Mm. I think they'll look at Acosta and go, you're not that good for no yeah. reason. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, KTM are keeping all of you. Because yeah. like we said, if, if, if Repsol come knocking, it's very, very He's difficult off. He's to off. turn yeah. it out. Because the money it, they can offer, and at the, the end of the, yeah, at the end of twenty twenty three or twenty four or whenever it is that if Marquez says right, I'm done, or or goes to Ducati, wherever the fuck, like he's out of Honda. If if Honda come to Acosta and say we want you in, mm. he is not picking Katie, and they will pay whatever it needs to be paid. Yeah. They will get their they'll, man. They'll get him out of that contract, and they'll get him on that Repsol. Yeah. And we'll be seeing a, a Mia Acosta showdown maybe in, in a few years to come. <laughs> you the good. I mean, we we don't even know how Mia is going to be on that bike. We do. I think he'll do what... well. I think yeah. I, I rate Mia so I highly. Mean, fingers crossed. And and you're going to have Rins as a wild card on that on mm. that um, LCR, and you don't know what he's capable of. So like no yeah. disrespect to Paul, but I, I think Mia's twice the rider, if not more than Paul. Mm. Yeah, it's obviously his head's gone since. Since Suzuki announced he was, they were pulling out. It's it's not really been the same for me. He's no. just I don't think his head's not really been there because he's probably been thinking of other rides and probably thinking, well, what's this all for? This is just kind of a wasted season for me. Um, but I, it's I, there's there's been talk of like why why did Repsol not just get him on get him on the bike and just think let's let's just get him earlier. What's the point in being on the Suzuki? When there's, well, there's he's contracted nothing. till the end of the but year. Yeah, it's it's, it's all to do with contracts and stuff. And maybe they thought it was a waste of money buying him out early for no reason, perhaps all. But um, yeah. So in terms of anything else to discuss, Crutchlow had a good showing. 14th. I was just about to say that's yeah. my rider of the day. Yeah, the top Yamaha rider is um, Crutchlow. Yeah, Crutchlow. But um, you know, quite frankly, to come in having not rode the bike for. I think the last time he rode the bike might have been Aragon with the with mm. Top Rack for the you know when he was there with Top Rack. I don't know if yeah. he rode the bike or if he was just there to help out, but um or would it have been oh no, it would have been Mizano Test, of course. It would have been Mizano. Um but testing and racing are different things and to come in and, you know, do what he did, solid. I mean twenty seconds yeah. off of off of Anea Bastianini, like that's that's good I mean, going. He, that is. He's beat both the Tech Threes, which isn't that difficult. But he's beat Digi, Darren Binder, Morbidelli, Polispargaro. You know, he's beaten mm. all these riders, and he it's his first time back on a on a bike racing since the end of last year. Um, was it the end of last year? Oh, or, or did he? I'm getting my years mixed up. It was the end of last year, wasn't it? Or was what? it the year before? The Kuch- retired. Yeah, yeah. Um, he it... retired the year before, but yeah, twenty twenty. But he came in, yeah, because I remember seeing him at Silverstone, and that proper skewed my timeline of him. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh no, no, it was on the factory, wasn't he on in uh, Silverstone? Because Dixon yeah, was yeah. on bonus. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've had Bezeki tenth again. Marini in seventh. He's really Marini's a class act. He really is. He's he's a slow burner, but it's nice to see him. Ones that yeah. are just slowly but surely. Improving, improving in confidence, improving in in kind of lap times, and, and improving in um, race yeah. positions. Is he your you rider of the day? I'd say, Marini? I'd say I'd give Marini it. Yeah, because 
How often do you see Marini crash? I'm sure there was something where it was like he's... Well, he's finished every race he's, he's started in. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he is a class act at the moment. And Hey, and I jinx Vinales. I don't know if you listened to the last podcast because you mentioned it earlier. Oh, right. You did, oh, yeah, didn't yeah. You? Where I was saying he's not crashed all year. And he crashed in um, Q1, was it? So are you, are you going with jinx? You've jinxed Marini now, do you reckon? Well, maybe, yeah. But um, <laughs> Vinales has not crashed all year and he crashed in... I think it was Q... Was it Q1? I think mm. it was Q1. Um, yeah. I mean, wh- where can we see Marini going then? Do you think that? Do you think that um, for 2024 that uh, maybe Pramac because maybe if Zarko's Pramac not team, there, yeah. like yeah. maybe Bezant. If Martin and Zarko both go separate ways of Ducati, maybe those two will just move up and Vietti mm. and you know someone else might go in that VR46. You don't know. I mean. Marini might stay there and somebody else goes wherever. Like, well, I mean, to be honest with you, I think their ideal will be, and I know we're talking very down the line here, but if Martin and Zarco do next year, I think it will be getting more Bidelli and Vietti to GP in the same team in like VR46, because then Bezeki and Marini have had that experience in that team to move them onto Pramac to know that Pramac won't want to lose them because they're valuable. Yeah. Whereas VR46 can nurture Vietti and Morbidelli and keep them there for as long as they want. I think that's what's going to happen. But yeah. that's on the basis that Martin and Zarko don't stay. But I, I can't see... I can't... If Zarko doesn't win a race in the next year, in the next... I mean, he's contracted there till next year, isn't he? I can't see him staying. I can't... No, I, can't. I, I see... And... I like Zarco because he's he's a, he's an oddball and he's a different character. He's he's got that kind of charisma. I'd love him to do well. I just see I just see Zarco going to World Superbikes in the next. Well, two yeah, years. I think the, the thing with MotoGP is such a fast-moving sport. Pardon the pun that you you kind of as a rider you have a little window of opportunity to make your mark on the sport before you get moved on. And I think yeah. Zarco's had probably more than one opportunity to do that and I think he's been quite fortunate really in his career because some as we've seen with Remy Gardner or Laquona or something you don't really get many opportunities um well this this is his sixth season in GP yeah yeah do you know what I mean like mm. there comes a time where they're not gonna just keep renewing it for the sake of it and I know we've literally sat there along this year like give him the factory ride but that's on the basis that you're going to keep up the form that you're showing, but it's been so up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Like, realistically, you know, that if if VR46 pushed the, the chess piece in their favourite, right, we're signing Morbidelli and Vietti. And everyone goes, so where are Bezeki and Marini going to go? Ducati yeah. themselves are going to say, we're not losing them. Italian riders yeah. on proven Italian, get them to Pramac. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they'll, they'll just push it in the right way and they've got so much influence in that paddock that yeah. it will just swing that way. Well, of course. Mean. And and Zarko, like I said, will end up at Superbikes, most likely. I think and, and Martin will end up somewhere else on the grid. So Because Maybe. Martin's too good. I think, at the moment, I still think Martin's too good to not be on the grid. Oh, yeah. Martin, um, Martin's a talent. Martin's so, a talent. The, yeah, there's, again, you could spend hours... Talking yeah. about the if what's if buts and maybes of of silly seasons and who's going to go where is it's crazy how much of a web you can get tangled in with it, but mm. um, that's about it. We've said our riders of the day, I believe. Um, we've we've covered most 
if not everything that kind of happened. Uh, I was going to say just, fantasy, I've noticed that you've used your boost. I did on Banyaya, which, uh-huh. I don't know, it was pole position, so that was something. And he came second, so I did drop points. But Bastianini was my other gold rider. Who, who? You had Bastianini as your mm-hmm. other gold rider, so, so I'm, good, I'm, good weekend for you. It has been quite good, so I'm, I'm, I'm clawing it back, and I do believe I'm closed the gap slightly on second and first, but I think there's still a few points ahead of me. It's going to be a, it's going to be quite a, an exciting finish. I don't know where you two are, to be honest. You're too far back to, to see. <laughs> wow. <Yeah. laughs> I'm, um, I'm in 59th, but I've got two boosts left. So you never know. Never know. I might I might yeah. sneak into like the top 40 or something like that, for which I think is a good recovery, having had like three races with an injured Marquez in my team. Um, but yeah, no, you're, mm. you're, I've said it for a long time. You are very much flying the flag for us. I'm, I'm doing um, my best. I'm doing my best. Um just quickly to, to go for the standings of MotoGP. So obviously in first, we have Quattro on 211. Banyaya on 201. So now there's just a 10-point gap. And Aleish on 194. So I think that's a 17-point gap. So all of a sudden, it's bunched up quite nicely. I mean, for the neutral anyway, it's bunched up nicely indeed. Um, I'm sure I'm sure Bonner does not agree with me on that. But... You know, no, but I, no, I, for the neutral, yeah, hundred percent. It's it's exciting, and and I can't see Elias sticking with it personally. I no, think. I can't. I've but, still got that belief that there's just going to be like when when the when it really comes down to it, I just see Peck and Fabio being like a few tenths quicker at a couple yeah. of tracks where I just think it'll be that that separates it. Um, mm. And you know, I mean, I, I remember when after Saxon Ring, you were like, Fabio's won the title, and that. I said to you, I said, uh-huh. I don't think he has. I think it'll. I do think it'll come down to the end. And I remember saying a couple of races later, I think Pecco went in and you were like, no, Fabio will still win that. And look, Aleish might win it. Anaya might win it. Um, yeah. Well, to be fair, after, it's, good that we've got a, it's good that we've got a close championship. I know I'm going to sit there and say I want Fabio to win. Obviously, I want Fabio to win. But... I can't sit there and say that. Do you know what I mean? And, and sit mm. there and be like, that's the best thing for everybody. Everyone wants a championship fight. I mean, look at World Superbikes. It's closed up with Top Rack and mm. Altista with everything that kicked off at Magni Core. It you want as a neutral, you want a battle, don't you? Of course. Um, we just don't want Honda in it, which is all good. Us knowing so, <laughs> it's a they will return everyone. next year. They'll be back. Telling oh, you, yeah. ah, yeah, gone with that. <laughs> yeah, they've gone with that. Is it the Calix Calix swing arm? Calix, gone Calix swing arm, yeah. They're getting a bit desperate now, but yeah, they're going for it. Going for <laughs> it. Mia and Marquez are going to tear it up, or well, I don't know, maybe tear the gravel up. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but I think that's it. We've covered fantasy. We've covered, I think, most things. Everything. There'll probably be one thing. Usually well, after every po- after every podcast, we're like. Oh, yeah, shit. We didn't yeah. that. But yeah. we've, we've done pretty much all of it, I think, this week. Um, just before we sign off, we'll go through the socials. So if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at BonoGP underscore. You can follow the podcast at RedSectorGP. You can follow Josh at RedSectorJosh. And you can follow Matt, who is not with us today, but is the other host of the Red Sector, at MattPolanski1. Um, and if you want to join our Discord and be a part of the conversation on Discord and you know talk fantasy, talk MotoGP, or literally whatever... You can join it through the Twitter page that I've just mentioned on Red Sector GP or my Twitter at BunnoGP underscore. And you can follow me on Instagram at BunnoGP and BunnoGP underscore photography. So if you want to follow any of those socials, they're there. 
And um, yeah, that's pretty much everything covered. If you did enjoy it, make sure to leave a review, share it onto any stories that you you know have on any social media platforms, whether it be Instagram, Twitter, or, or whatever. Yeah, make sure to give us a, a review because it does help for our, well, the whole podcast really. It helps me, Josh, and Matt, and the, the page itself get to the top of those search bars when you search for MotoGP podcasts. And um, yeah, I suppose with that, keep the throttle pinned.